In this episode of the 8% Podcast, I speak with Australian actor, producer and anti-piracy advocate John Jarrett. Our Australian listeners will know John well. He's been on our screens consistently for the last 40 years in everything from the iconic picnic at Hanging Rock to Better Homes and Gardens. Globally, he's known for his terrifying role as Mick Taylor in Wolf Creek and for being Quentin Tarantino's favourite Australian actor. In this podcast, John and I discuss how he got started in the industry, how young actors and filmmakers can forge a similar career using what's available to them in 2016, and what he feels is the number one challenge facing the business end of filmmaking. John is super passionate about putting an end to piracy and to torrenting, and he shares with me how piracy is destroying the Australian film industry and what he thinks can be done about it. And in fact, I'm going to like start at the very beginning. What on earth possessed okay. you, What on earth possessed you to become an actor? Uh, I I come from a, an Irish Australian working class family. I was raised in the bush. Uh, that, no one was ever afraid to get up and do a song or a dance or whatever. Um, and uh, I was a bit of a show-off. I put on a concert in Longreach High School and uh, in, in central Queensland. And the headmaster, Bob Spirit, came up to me and said, I thought you were good for nothing except disturbing classes. Um, but I think you could be an actor. And I said, oh, don't you have to come from Hollywood to be an actor? And he said, no, anyone can be an actor. Just got to be able to act. I said, oh, okay. And... Uh, and then I, a couple of years later, I auditioned for NIDA and amazingly I got in and I came from Townsville to Sydney and became a, an acting student. That's it, basically. Awesome. Awesome. I, I mean, we kind of, we got to laugh about that, I think, when, we, when we're talking about acting as a career. It's one of those, oh my God, why would you go and do that kind of things? But realistically, yeah. I mean... You've been basically working non-stop since you left NIDA in um, 73. That's like 43 years of straight work, which is a real feat yes. in an industry that's not really noted for stability. What do you put your longevity down to? Uh, tolerance and patience and, um, uh, and the ability to do my job when I do it. <laughs> it gets me another one. Yeah. Um, I think, and, and, and I love it. Uh, I've never lost uh, my passion for what I do. I, I'm one of those lucky people who uh, is in a job that he really likes. Um, <clears throat> but we are in the land of the poor and famous. It hasn't been easy. Mm. But um, uh, I do manage to keep on keeping on somehow. It's a real and Brian Brown and Steve Bisley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a real Aussie, like, working-class battler attitude, isn't it? Because I come from a, a similar kind of, like, blue-collar background, which is, you know, you just work. Like, that's just the job. You just get in and you do it and you work. You've got to have a work ethic. And uh, in between, uh, my dad always said, nobody owes your living. And another thing he said was expecting from nobody to be disappointed. And he had a couple of really good sayings that, that I've lived by. And, um, you know, if I couldn't do acting work, I come from a family of builders, so I'd build a house and or work with builders or did something and made money that way yeah. you know yeah so totally. just got to be resourceful and yeah. uh if you haven't got a job go and get one that's kind of where i come from yeah i love that um mm. you have been in what i would personally consider literally the two most terrifying australian movies of all time so that's wolf creek obviously but also picnic yeah. and rock which to me is like seven-year-old me was like nightmares for yeah. weeks after watching that <laughs> 
Did I yeah. read somewhere though that you're like not a fan of horror? Uh, no, I'm not a. I'm not. I think what that comes out that I'm not a fan of horror is is um, because I, I they say you're you're into horror and I say no, I'm into all genres, but right. that doesn't mean I'm not into horror. Yeah. Um, I, I I like I don't like um, I don't get frightened by Freddy Krueger films or Exorcist. I thought that was a really funny film. I, I laughed a lot <laughs> at that um, because it was so silly. You know, when she threw, when she vomited out that green pea soup, I, I just fell on the floor. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but that doesn't scare me. But Psycho, Cape Fear, um, uh, Hannibal Lecter's a scary guy. Yeah. Uh, the ones that could, the, the, the films where it could happen to you, and that's why I like Wolf Creek, because it looks at um, what actually happens and happens far too often, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it's part of the human condition and what we live with, and that, that's that's frightening. And and so um, I don't know whether you can say you enjoy those films, but uh, I, I suppose I'm intrigued by them, and and I I like the experience of, of of getting through it and seeing you know whether people can avoid this horrible monster, you know, like um, um, De Niro coming up the river behind that family, you know. Yep. Is he going to get on there and do a men and all that stuff? Um, and, and the thriller aspect of it, uh, I like. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I think so many people, including myself, were absolutely petrified by Wolf Creek because everybody knows that guy. Everyone's met that guy. That's a real thing. That's yeah. that's a bloke you run into at, at the pub in Townsville or Cairns. Like you meet him, and it's it's petrifying because you know him, and it could really happen. And it has happened. Well, well, you're right. There's thousands, thousands of people like like him. You know, um, um, the the crocodile Dundee character yeah. is is like Mick Taylor. Yeah. Only he's a, a nice guy, he's not a serial killer or or a um, psychopath. So this is a like just like um, crocodile Dundee. Only he's uh, like that that kind of outback character, yeah. if you like. Um, but he's um, Demented, you know, he's 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 warped. He's not a not a well not a well boy. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so Quentin Tarantino once referred to you as his favourite Australian actor, uh, and obviously he cast yes. you in Django Unchained. Um, when you're getting yeah. that kind of feedback, and obviously having been part of that whole renaissance of Australian film and that sort of exploitation era of the seventies and eighties, have you ever been tempted yeah. to face that Hollywood dream? I would have, but um, I, I, I've been through, um, I got married very young, I was 21, um, and I started having children, and um, I had two kids um, with my first wife, two with my second, and two with my third, um, and so my children ranged from 40, oh, 39, I that I put a year on it, uh, 39 <laughs> back to 13 um so i can't go and live in hollywood i've got two grandkids too you know i can't go to la to do that you to do that you've got to go live in the joint you know like yeah only colette after after uh, muriel's wedding she just had to go and hang in there and you know do the horrible waiting game and the rounds uh but uh, she didn't have kids and things to worry about at the time so 
I, I've never been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true of all industries. It's like if you really want to break the U.S., the U.S. is very kind of cloistered. If you want to break the U.S., you have to be there. Otherwise, they just don't. But think- I, 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 never, I never had a passion for it anyway, yeah. to be honest. Um, uh, Brian Brown and I are similar. We, we, we like being in Australia, you know, doing Australian films and it's cultural exactness as the late Bob Ellis used to call it. And, um, and I like being here. Uh, it's the best country in the world and I, I like my industry and I'm, I'm starting to put back now. Yeah. Uh, I've got my own production company with my son and my daughter called Key to Screen and, um, and we're making movies and documentaries and um, that's much as I'd never be able to do that in LA as long as my ass pointed to the ground. Totally. Um, so I'd much rather do that and um, you know, I can do all the accent, but I can do all that. Uh, but that's not the point. Um, yeah, I'd so I'm not really upset that I never kicked too many goals in LA, you know. I'm really glad that you brought up the production company because I wanted to, to touch on that next. What actually led you down that path of setting up your own production company, building your own films, doing that yourself? Well, in 2003, Greg McLean gave me the script for, for um, uh, Wolf Creek, the first one, and I met, well, I met him. Uh, he only made, um, and we talked about it, and he'd, he'd only ever made a uh, short film uh, and some corporate films and a couple of commercials. Um, <clears throat> and the guy who was going to shoot the film had never shot a feature film before. Um, the, the budget of 1.2, couldn't afford Pommy um, actresses, so we got Aussies to play the Pommies. Um, there, there was a whole, and it was digital, it was the first digital film ever they're involved in that was new at the time um, uh, and they had no money and yet they made this film as it turned out um, the cinematographer was par excellence and Greg McLean is uh, one of the great Australian directors as far as I'm concerned mm. and um, <clears throat> and they exploded it off the screen and I thought if these bloody amateurs can do this I should be doing it <clears throat> so that's what that's why I thought uh, I should, it's time to put back. And and uh, Brian Brown was making movies, you know, Dirty Deeds and and uh, Dead Heart. And he was getting into it and I thought, well, I should get into it. So that's kind of what pushed me towards um, production. Cool. It also kind of ties in, I guess, a bit with what you were saying earlier about, you know, you, you find work, you make work. If there's no work, you go and make it. Um, do, do you yes. think that's something more actors should be looking at, um, particularly in Australia, like finding their own ways to create opportunities if they don't feel like there are any? Uh, well, there's, there's a two-edged sword here. That yeah. there, I don't think there is the work uh, that there used to be when I kicked off. Mm-hmm. I kicked off and uh, you know, I walked out of NIDA in 73 into this rejuvenated Australian film industry. Mm. With a with an Australian accent, you know, and out of a drama school, and, and they tried to change the way you spoke, and you worked in the theatre. <laughs> um, so I was ripe for the picking, and we also had this thing called Crawford's, which was the three cop shows running at once, mm. and so you go down there in between gigs and do a 
play a bad guy and <clears throat> there was lots of work and then you do theatre, you do like a commercial, you, not that I did those, didn't like them, or you could, and, and then the soap opera started and, um, you know, they're still here, home and away and neighbours and all that yeah. rubbish. Um, so there was a lot more opportunity then um, to, to, you know, eke out a, a reasonable living, you know, and, and get an annual wage, you know, that, uh, compatible to a checkout chick, but still you, you've got money, you know, got enough to survive if you want to be an actor. Yeah. Now, I just don't think it's, I think it's much, much tougher. And um, if you get a TV gig, well, Yahoo, but it's, it's really tough. Um, in that regard, it's really tough. But what's not tough is <clears throat> you, you don't need a movie camera. You go and get a half-decent digital camera yeah. and, you know, a bucket of blood and a chainsaw in a back shed and 200 grand off your uncle oh, and go and make a, a movie, you yeah. know? So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, this day and age, yeah, I, I think if you want to be an actor, mm-hmm. you've got to go out and create it, do... Um, do things like uh, webisodes and yeah. um, stuff like we're doing here, you know, podcasting and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of outlets that you could be uh, trying to, um, the, the internet is, it's about screens, as my son would say. Yeah. It's about screens these days, you know, you've got to find your place on all these screens that are around. Every time you look sideways, there's another screen <laughs> and uh, you've got to fill them with content and, and I think the um, young actors of today have got to be doing that if they're serious about it. Mm, absolutely. Um, and hope, hope that one of the things I do cracks it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you said there, I, I'd be really interested to know. So, you know, as you said, when you came out of NIDA, there were like all of these opportunities and all of this stuff going on, and now there isn't. What's kind of the, what do you think yeah. is behind that? Why do you think there's not as many opportunities? Are we not doing as much content in Australia now? Um, are we doing more overseas stuff? Like what's kind of caused that slowdown? Um, oh, a couple of things. Um, the, the biggie is um, while we're not earning decent money and can't earn decent money, so pe- people um, make things and if they don't sell it to a television for for an actor, you're not going to uh, get some kind of movie out or some kind of music out um, or anything that's downloadable um, and get the kickback anymore. So there's no residuals yeah. anymore. Say goodbye to residuals. There isn't any. Yeah. You know because um, because we are now the only industry in the world that you're allowed to um, steal billions off. I mean billions. It's the biggest. Um, heist of all time. It makes a great train robbery look like a picnic. Um, we we lose a billion dollars a year to illegal downloads um, in Australia alone. That's a billion dollars I'm talking about yeah. amongst 20 million people. So um, we just can't, um, if that keeps up and it doesn't abate, um, the people will... Uh, who love movies and download them, they're killing the thing they love. They're mm. killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Absolutely. And it's crazy and they've just got to stop doing it. Um, but the problem is <clears throat> um, we're, we're an industry that, um, a visual industry that 
was protected before the internet. You know, um, our movies, you could record them, but you had to actually watch them on Channel 9 or you had to actually watch them on, on a movie screen um, to record them, you know. But now you don't have to do any of that. You just push a couple of buttons and you download the whole goddamn movie or the TV series for nothing. And um, uh, and the people who made it get nothing. And that's because it can be simply picked up. Yeah. And if a great uh, analogy for that is um, if you could download a boarding pass to any airplane company at, and fly to any place in the world, any time you liked, just by pushing a button and you got a free flight from here to um, London, you know, and everyone was doing it, do you think they'd put an end to that? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening to us and no one's doing a damn thing about it. Mm. I, I think definitely what I see kind of in the industry I'm in is that there's a real uh, disconnect between this generation of kids who are coming up, these millennials who who see content as being inherently free and available on the internet and they don't even seem to have this, this knowledge, this understanding that torrenting is mm. illegal or an issue. Like they just see content as being freely available everywhere. So you have this disconnect between them and then the well, content they, they producers. Just re they, refuse, they refuse to listen to us about it and it's just like it's mine. Totally. That, and, just... and, uh, well, it isn't yours. We made it to, with a lot of effort and you're stealing it. And a lot of you money, know? and I don't think that they realise. I mean, you know, they say Game of Thrones is the most torrented TV show, and when you look at the kind of money that's gone in to build a show like that, and they're torrenting all of these yep. episodes, and it's not getting paid for. It's like you're killing the show that you love because if you're torrenting it and you're not, they're not getting the money, and also like the numbers of this is how many people are watching the show. I mean, Game of Thrones is obviously not going to get cancelled, but yeah. if you have this great movie. Not only you're not getting the money, you're also damaging it long term because you know the big production guys are going, well, that didn't, that wasn't successful nobody watched it but millions of people downloaded it so you're actually killing the very show that you that you or, or you the know, movie or you the, know the how, careers of people you know how much money was stolen from the expendables 3 whether you like the movie or not not, not important <laughs> expendables 3 um because some clown put a master copy out so it was really good little download thank you very much mm. um you know how much they lost no monetarily just one movie, Expendables 3, mm. $400 million. Jesus. Okay? Yeah. That was the, they added up, the, they figured out the downloads, that's how much I lost. Uh, uh, six months into Wolf Creek 2, uh, 2 million downloads, mm. that's $20 million stolen. Yeah. $20 million if they had to buy it 10 years ago. Mm. So what do we get? Big mm. fat zero, yeah. Zilch, nothing. Yeah, and no, that's a couple no, of movies a, that you could have made there. Not a cracker. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, what do you think so, the answer um, to the piracy is? Like, what what do we do about this? How do we well, it's, it's, turn well, it's, it around? It's education, it's, right? I, yeah. I, I, I think legislation is one thing. You know, mm. um, somehow make it okay. You might get done over. Mm. Um, you know, it's like. Um, because of this piracy, funnily enough, I, I like travelling on the trams in Melbourne, you know? Yeah. And and <clears throat> because I'm from Sydney, I think, oh, God, I haven't got one of those cards. I'll oh, maybe jump on and just jump off again. And then, and then I thought, no, that's not 
that's not the right thing to do. Um, so I go and find some news agent and find out if I can get the ticket and they give me a card and off I go. So uh, having that gone through my brain, I thought, John, that's as bad as illegal downloading, you know, mm -hmm. just what, what you're doing. And then I kept an eye out, because <clears throat> I go to Melbourne quite often, and uh, kept an eye out on the amount of times inspectors come on. And it's fairly often. You know, there's a yeah. couple of times where I could have got done. There was one when I was on a train, but I, I do buy the tickets. I was on a train, and if I hadn't bought it, I would have got done because yeah. um, an inspector come along. But until these people can be fearful of the fact that if they haven't got a tram ticket or they if they've illegally downloaded a, a DVD uh, or a movie or whatever, if if they think that there's you know one chance in ten that they're going to get done, that's going to slow them down. So mm. maybe we've got to find a way. That's the number one. But I think the the ace in the hole, the big one, is um, education. Mm -hmm. uh, like when I was in, a kid in the 50s, you know, I started smoking when I was eight. And um, Craven A10s, they were pretty cheap. Me wow. and Johnny Mabry used to buy them and go smoke them in the bush. But um, So I started young. And it was cool because it was cool. Yeah. Humphrey Bogart smoked cigarettes. Lauren Bacall smoked cigarettes, you know. Um, <clears throat> it was the thing to do. And no, no one was scared stiff of lung cancer. It hadn't all been figured out. And then <clears throat> in the 60s, it started suddenly becoming uncool and you can, mm. it'll actually kill you. And it's and they killed Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> you know. So <clears throat> the... Um, uh, and then this huge campaign came along and said, hey, it's not cool, it's disgusting, and, and you shouldn't do it. Mm. Uh, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to yeah. say it's not cool to steal from people. It's disgusting, and you shouldn't do it. What you're doing is disgusting. It's, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's revolting. It's, it's, it, it stinks what mm. you're doing. You've got no right to do it. it. It's all of those things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no one's got any right to take someone's product off the shelf. Yep. You know, it's like saying, oh, the Picasso, there was no one guarding it. I just walked in, picked it up, took it home. Yep, absolutely. And and just because I could doesn't make it right. Mm -hmm. It's a disgusting, terrible, horrible thing to do. Mm. You know, mm. and that's what we've got to, got to um, express that to uh, the people who do it and also saying, you know, you, you, you're downloading Wolf Creek 2 because you really love it and you love my performance and you're sending me to the poorhouse and yeah. I'm not going to be able to make Wolf Creek 3 if you keep this up. No one, who's going to give me the money to make Wolf Creek 3 exactly. if you keep doing this? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So, so you've recently... Um, all those reasons. Yeah, definitely. You've recently um, created the, the Wolf Creek mini-series that's available on Stan. Do you think these kinds of... <laughs> yeah. like, streaming services then are kind of part of that answer we give people the education and then give them the redirection yes, to, yes. to get onto this it's <laughs> just God as easily available you can jump on you can get it you're paying yes. a small amount i mean you're not paying huge amounts on yes. on stan and netflix and stuff but it's <laughs> that kind of in between yep. it's that compromise is, is that like what we should be looking at in terms of um alternate yeah. methods well well if you ask me the question is there any light at the end of the tunnel that was going to be my <laughs> next thing i was going to say yeah but uh yes it, it, it the a legal download is down by a quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, you can spend 10 bucks, 10, 12 bucks on 
uh, Stan or Netflix or one of the, uh, either, either one. They've both got great content. Mm. And, that's, of course, I'm doing a show on Stan, <laughs> just a fact. Yep, they're absolutely. Very, they're a very good streaming channel. Um, and so it's down a quarter, mm. which is a hell of a lot. Yep. And maybe the message is getting out. Um, you know, maybe there's enough people saying it. Um, the guy out of Dallas Buyers Club, what's the actor's name? Um, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey and people like that who have been barking like I have. <laughs> um, maybe that message is getting out. Yeah. Uh, and and then they can, and the people hearing this, I mean, I think everyone's becoming aware that it's not right. Mm. Uh, and then they saying, well, we can get on Netflix or Stan and, there's so much content there, and do we have to um, download it when we have to say uh, three days for it to come out and stand? Yeah. Or Game of Thrones, let's wait for two days for it to come out on yeah. Netflix. Why, why download a bloody thing, you know? Yeah. Why are they in so much of a hurry? Yeah. To, and and uh, I think people are starting to do that, and the quality is fantastic. That's getting, part of it for sure. Yeah, and you get a choice of Heaps of movies. And you're not getting malware installed on your computer because you've downloaded an illegal torrent thing. (laughs) It's actually from a purely selfish point of view. Like Netflix and Stan and and iTunes and all that stuff (laughs) actually make more sense because you're getting good quality content the way it was supposed to be seen. You're not downloading the wrong things and going to wrong websites and all of that horrible stuff that happens when you're downloading. It's actually more convenient now to use like legal streaming services. Yes, so yeah, that that has been one of the answers. We've been looking for an answer, and and that's that's one that I think is well. Thank God, something come out of left field because mm. <laughs> it was a huge worry. Um, yeah, so the best thing to do now is if uh, I'd I'd be willing just if I made a movie, I'd be willing to give it to one of them. Say here, have it, mm. <laughs> put it on, put it on there. At least I might get a couple of bucks for it. Yeah. You get a lot more if people buy VODs, mm. but um, at least you get something. I mean, if if you only get a dollar from Stan um, compared to $20 for a download, and there was $2 million, uh, well, that's t- that $2 million on Wolf Creek 2, at least I'll have $2 million in my hand. Yeah. I wouldn't stop $20 million, but it's $2 million. It's better yeah. than zero. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... You know, there's upsides to everything, mm. um, and, and we'll get through, and we'll, we'll we'll manage, you know, and we'll hang in there, and uh, and uh, and the industry will carry on, I'm sure. Uh, I, especially um, now, as I say, I think you see there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. I um I heard you speak in an interview about how Australians make really phenomenal films, but we suck at the business end of things. Um, and sort of given that a lot of my my listeners and stuff are entrepreneurs and in creative fields and in that kind of business side of things, like I think that's something that we see a lot. And I think there's a lot of like cultural issue there too because when it comes to marketing, Australians are really anti that whole yeah. self-promotion, getting too big for your boots kind of thing that we, that we have a real problem with. What do you think can be done to encourage that healthier approach to the business side of the film business um, to really rejuvenate oh, the industry? Well, I, I- I don't think it's so much the tall poppy syndrome, really. Yeah. I think it's um, um, are you in Melbourne or Sydney. I'm in Melbourne. I've lived in Sydney. Oh, I've lived in both. Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. Well, w- were you aware of the Wolf Creek TV publicity? 
um, the I, dam stuff. Yeah, and they yeah. had the, the they had the uh, pop up bar in town and yeah. billboards everywhere and in Sydney that every street on every twenty meters there was a a flag Wolf Creek flag yeah. right through uh, Martin, uh, Martin Place and Pitt Street and and Castle Ray Street everywhere yeah. you went there was yeah. Wolf Creek stuff because they spent a couple of mil on marketing mm. and that's what we never do I mean we struggle like hell to get our lousy 1.5 to make our little movies that we're passionate about and then you make it and you can't you haven't got any money and you don't sell it mm. whereas the Americans um, they'll spend an, uh, uh, um, three million on a movie and they'll have a third of that budget to market it so they'll have another million when it's finished to, to sell it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. we just don't sell our stuff properly. No. And um, we don't have the money and um, and we don't have the nows and we don't have the ability uh, and we don't have people who've been doing it well and long enough um, to even be successful at it mm. because PR people are never given $2 million to sell something. If you give something to somebody often enough, by the, about the 10th or 10th time they've done it, they get pretty good at it. Yeah. But even if you do throw money at people, they really don't know what they're doing yet. Mm. Uh, so we don't, know how to, we don't know how to sell movies because we've never done it. Right. Uh, and occasionally when it does get sold, um, well, Billy Drocho are, are really good at, yes. at selling um, movies. Um, but we, they just don't sell them properly and no one knows they're on and they say, oh, it was a fantastic movie. Did you see it? So I didn't even know it was on. Yeah. You know, that that's the problem. Um, we don't take marketing seriously. We can build Ferraris when it comes to movies, mm. but then we just park it in the garage and hope someone comes past and opens the door and has a look at it, mm. you know. I see that so often and, as, a, like um, as a marketer myself. Um, I see that so often in business is people think just creating a good product is enough and it'll get you so far yeah. but without the marketing behind it, people don't know that the great product exists and then you end up with this vicious cycle of like there's no money to promote it so it doesn't make enough money so there's no money to promote the next one so there's not enough money to make the next one and then you end up in this like stuck in this, you know, yeah. chasing your tail. Yeah, yeah and, and we still haven't discovered um, the best way to make movies like you and what, I, what I'm trying so hard to do with my little company is um, I've got a slate of films that I'm trying to get up. I've got uh, five, five features that uh, I don't care which one gets the money first. Mm. But I've got five features and I'm, I'm going to LA and I'm trying to, um, and, and going to, um, investors in this country as well and trying to get a slate so I can do all of those films. Mm. That's what they do in the States. You get a slate so that um, if, if uh, two out of the five films that you're going to make uh, uh, make it and uh, a great gangbuster films, well, they'll pay for the other three if they're duds, you know. And no one knows how to make a successful film or, you, or Johnny Depp would never have done The Lone Ranger, you know? So, <laughs> totally. Um, so uh, you just go on a gut feeling and, a, and, and, um, and the marquee people you got in it and, and the hope that there's a, 
it's going to be appealing. Mm. Um, but what Australians, what we tend to do when we make movies is we lurch from one film to the next. We kick and scratch and come up with 1.5 and we make a movie and we try and get a distributor and then we get a limited release that goes on a palace for three days and no one sees it and then it goes goes to DVD and then it gets illegally downloaded and and um, and you know it, it seems like a hundred bloody acres is what I'm talking about mm. and then then they come out of that and you know and they're, they're struggling with a mortgage but they somehow or another they get it together and find another film and then they find a few dollars to develop it and then somehow or another they get another movie up Mm. And they lurch through that, and then they don't sell that, and that's no way to make a movie. Mm. That's no way to run an industry. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, we've been doing that for forever. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, and without government fund, uh, government funding is helps you get across the line, but the government has got to look a, a lot harder at selling it mm. and making sure that they believe in something. How are we going to make sure that people don't kind of know it's um, available and on? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, that's the problem. It, it always is really heartbreaking for me to see like phenomenal creative people making amazing creative products and then personally struggling mm. financially because there's not the appreciation of, of what's being done and whether it's you know streaming or whatever else is going on. Like it just like it's so heartbreaking to see that and it's. A destruction yep. of an industry where people end up doing it just because they love it, even though they're not making any money from it. But that's obviously, it, eventually, it becomes untenable. It does, and loving something's one thing, but you, you got to be—it's got to be more than love. It's got to be, um, got to be attentive, and you got to um, want to make it successful. You know, mm. Mm, absolutely. Love's, love's good in the park, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gooey and everything, but um, I, I think you've got to run it like a business, you know, yeah. and love it, yeah, and yeah. and work bloody hard, yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> and not, it be, really not be just not be just <laughs> totally. not just accept. Oh, well, I love doing it, so I'm going to make my next film, you know, um, in in Centennial Park with a bunch of lunatics <laughs> and totally and put that together and hope till we get to another one. No, it's a business. You can run it like a business. Yeah, and, and I think everything that happened in the 70s and 80s or the you know, Crocodile Dundees and, and stuff really proved as well that, you know, it's one thing as an industry in terms of entertainment, but it also, the film industry boys, tourism, it boys, like other industries, it, it makes Australia a destination um, and it creates a situation yeah. where people want to be here. So it all feeds each other. What was the last bit? It all feeds each other, so it's all it's all you know. It, great film boys up uh, tourism and and other industries as well, and makes life better for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and then we grab the person who did most for it and try and crucify him mm. at the tax office, Paul mm. Hogan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thank thank you. Hardly seems enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That that see that's 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 another crazy thing that Australians do, you know. Mm. They grab hold of people like Dawn Fraser and stop going to the Olympics, and they grab someone like Paul Hogan who did all those 
um, shrimp on the barbie ads for nothing, mm. um, just simply because he loved the country and wanted people to come and some smart ass in the ATO wants to make a name for himself besides he wants to have a go at Paul Hogan. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, guy, the guy should get a ticker tape parade for the billions that he bought into the country. Mm. It was tourism. Mm-hmm. You know, out of, out of, and he just did it for nothing. He said, "Yeah, I'll do that." And he put the ads together and and worked them out. And, and then lying, lying, um, lying on a lilo. Right, <laughs> today I'm, I'm flat out. I'm flat out today, and all that. Another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> so yeah, um, there's that cringe factor that you know we we screw the ones that we love for some reason. It's very Australian, it's isn't it? Cool. Yeah, yeah. We're very, we're very much bring, like that. that bring, bring them back down to size. Mm. You know, some little bespeckled maggot in the ATO wants to make a name for himself. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, totally. That's the way I looked at it. Totally. <laughs> uh, you look, I think I think all business people resonate with that. I think all all entrepreneurs yeah. and actors are as much entrepreneurs as, yeah. as other business people are in that same situation yeah. where it's just, you know, that constant ATO screwing, that constant bringing people down to size, that tall poppy syndrome. Um, to finish yeah, up, yeah. if you had a piece of advice for, I, I mean, film people particularly, but also like people who are in an industry, creative people who are looking to push forward and, and you've had such a, a long and really um, ongoing career in in what is a very considered a very turbulent industry. Um, what would your best advice yeah. be for success? Um, well, number one, like if you're an actor, for instance, um, and you think you can act, um, well, just join join where join the league of young actors in the city that you're in and find out what the hell you got to do. Mm. Um, you know, it'll probably come out of your drama school or whatever, or uh, and you'll 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 soon know what's going on in the fringes and the and the fringe theatre and uh, you know all, all the stuff that you can do. And some some blokes making a movie out of Camden, and half a dozen of you are um, you know kind of put this little film together and you know, all the things that you do um, to try and crack it as an actor, mm. and then. Uh, if you believe in yourself, uh, hang in there. But, but also, um, there's, there's got to be a time when you know whether you can do it or not. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for five or six, seven years, and uh, and you've got to be able to tell yourself, look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, I can cut it, I'm a bloody good actor. And mm-hmm. if you can say that, hang in there, because if that's true, you'll, you'll eventually get somewhere with something. But um, if you can't do it and you can't cut it and you and you're not a cut above the rest and you're just um, just another actor, well, you've got to admit that sometime or you're going to scrounge around for a long time. Mm. And so know who you are and then if you believe in that, just just keep chipping away. I mean, that's all I can say. Just get to the auditions and the interviews and get to know people and. Get, to get a job on a movie as a runner or go for anything, you know, just get your foot in the door, annoy people, oh, him again, I'll give him a roll, for Christ's sake, you know. Um, I, I mean, I, 
annoyed the crap out of me. I end up giving my job, you know, just to shut them up. <laughs> and so, so and, and people shine. I, I, I've worked with people and I think, well, well uh, you know, do young people favours here and there with a short movie or whatever. And then, then you come across ones you think, this guy's going to be something. And so you back them, you know. So try to get the eye of people like me who will back you. I suppose it's 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 not, it's not easy. No, you just got to crack it. Yeah. And if you're if you're a good actor, you're you're gonna crack it. You'll audition and someone will want you to do something. Yeah. But if you keep doing auditions and no one ever wants you, you got to have a good look at it. Think what's going on. Mm. 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 Awesome. Um. So the Wolf Creek miniseries is available now on Stan and John's autobiography, yep. The Bastard from the Bush, is available through booksellers, Amazon, the whole nine yards everywhere. <laughs> Thanks so much for um, yeah. being on this call with us today, John. Thank you. It's been a great yarn. I've enjoyed it. Really appreciate okay. it. If this conversation about the state of the Australian film industry in 2016 is of interest to you, we'd love to have you join us at the 8% Festival in Melbourne in October. We'll have a panel specifically dedicated to the question of how young actors and filmmakers can forge a career in an industry that is increasingly threatened by the growing gap between big-budget films and independent productions. If you're interested in attending the festival, head over to festival.the8percent.com.